Welcome to Dave Turner's Seat Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. This podcast was originally published in the week of March 18th, 2019 and runs for approximately 23 minutes. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. Hello, everyone. It's Dave, and I'd like to welcome you back to our Seat Yourself podcast, where it's all about the world of hospitality tabletop. Welcome back to our regular listeners, and as always, if this is your first time here, Seat Yourself is our 15 to 20 minute podcast on what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. We've had a busy week this past week, and right now it's looking like it's going to continue for a while. We've been working on some great content that you're going to be hearing more about in the coming weeks right here on Seat Yourself, so stay tuned for that. And a quick note before we jump right into things here, some of you have asked how to get a few of the Seat Yourself stickers that our team has posted online. No worries about that. Just simply shoot us a quick note and we'll be happy to send along a few. We've always amazed, we're always amazed at where these things end up, the stickers that we have, whether it's the hashtag Tabletop Matters sticker or the new Seat Yourself stickers. They always seem to end up at some unbelievable locations. So if you're doing something creative with one of our stickers, send along a photo. We'd love to possibly share it. But keep it clean, of course. And as I said, we've got a lot to cover this in this week's episode, so let's get it going. Starting off, our stat of the week this week, once again, it has to do with off-premise dining. Our stat is 25%. Driven by millennials, Denny's, the family dining chain, is bullish on the off-premise business, both delivery and takeout, and it now accounts for nearly 25% of all transactions throughout the day, including late night. In fact, the number of dine-in orders surpassed the number of delivery orders only during the lunchtime. Total net sales for off-premise volume in the family dining chain has grown to 11% overall, and that's just up, up from 7% in 2017. And of course, it's all driven by adults, 18 to 34 years old. Another interesting fact about this is that 70% of the Denny store system is actively engaged in at least one delivery partner. So that means that there's still plenty of room for growth. Now, here's where it really gets interesting. Management at Denny's believes that the quote-unquote Denny's On Demand platform is helping to modernize the brand with an increasing relevance among its younger guests. Very interesting. And that's certainly an interesting side benefit, of, uh, side benefit for the Denny's brand that's undergoing uh, what appears to be a great resurgence. And off-premise, hey folks, it's not going to go away. And in our news this week, it's all about people. After all, it's people that truly make our industry great. First and foremost, we want to send out our heartfelt condolences to the family and to the many friends around the world of Joe Wells III from the Homer Lachlan China Company. Joe passed away this past week at the age of 77. Having worked for the company for more than five decades, Joe worked his way up through the company, much of his time spent in the sales department. Joe was a former president and CEO at Homer Lachlan and was most recently chairman. Joe Wells was known throughout our industry as someone who could be tough, but he was also very compassionate and worked diligently to keep Homer Lachlan strong so that his employees would always have a great place to work. He will be missed by many. And again, our heartfelt condolences go out to the family and friends of Joe Wells III. And in our next story, this past week, tabletop leader Libby announced that current CEO and chairman Bill Foley will retire as CEO effective later this month. Bill will, however, remain on as executive chairman at the board of Libby. 
Mike Bauer has been named the new CEO, and Bauer most recently was the president of Masterlock Company, a division of Fortune Brands. John Orr, Libby's lead independent director, commented on Bill Foley's leadership of the company during these past three years. Bill has overseen a critical period in Libby's commercial transformation, including the creation of a highly successful and expanding e-commerce platform. Further, he reinvigorated a culture of product innovation that is now driving creativity at Libby, delivering a wealth of new product choices to our customers each year. Or went on to speak about Bill Foley's guidance of Libby through a time of competitive changes and challenges, adding that he's thankful that Bill is staying on as a member of the Libby Board of Directors. Bill Foley is a good man, and Libby is a leader in our industry. We wish them both, and of course, new CEO Mike Bauer as well, all the very best. And finally, lots of changes with the Oneida brand these days. The latest change is with the Oneida Group. This is the team that will retain the Oneida products for retail and the Anchor Hawking brand in all sectors. The Oneida Group this week announced the appointment of Sean Gibson as VP of Marketing and Product Innovation. Mark Eichhorn, CEO of the Oneida Group, stated in the release, Sean brings a wealth of experience to the role, having been instrumental in elevating the Anchor Hawking and Oneida brands using consumer insights to drive purposeful, strategic innovation, and advertising. With the Oneida and Anchor Hawking retail businesses now united under one umbrella, he is well positioned to lead the department's efforts to continue reinvigorating these great brands. Gibson, who has extensive background in brand management and consumer product marketing, has served since 2017 as the company's director of marketing and innovation. Good luck to you, Sean. Best wishes for great success. In our first company and product segment this week, let's go back to our visit to last month's NAFM show in Orlando. Another company we really wanted to check in and see how things were going was Denver-based 10 Strawberry Street, and boy, we're glad we did. Within the restaurant hospitality tabletop sector, we can't think of any company that's worked as hard and continues to work as hard to improve all aspects of their game than the team at 10 Strawberry Street. Under the leadership of CEO Zach Zucker and experienced VP of Sales and Product Development Bob Thompson, 10 Strawberry Street has totally revamped its sales organization and the way it goes to market over the past two plus years. During this time, the company has diligently cultivated its relationship with dealers and distributors, and it's really paid off by accelerating the company's push forward to the next level in the food service sector. And when it comes to the new products, well, their new Forenza dinnerware is simply incredible in the handmade look and feel that it brings to the restaurant tabletop. The new Forenza is available in two colors. There's a beige sandstone type look and a blue stormy sky look that I really love. But here's what really gets me about Forenza. It's the bowls and the deep plates that I fell in love with immediately when I look at them. And it's exactly what operators are looking for these days. The right depths and the right profiles make these bowls perfect for serving all sorts of different menu items. And the new Forenza has over two dozen different intriguing serving piece options. The bowls we've just mentioned, of course, but they've also got great rounds and oval serving platters and plates, too. And also a cup and saucer sir, a coffee service, along with a mug service option as well. Forenza is just the latest in a long string of product introductions from 10 Strawberry Sheet as it continues to deepen its commitment to hospitality. Long known for its outstanding range of white dinnerware and serving pieces, the company now has a very solid and growing portfolio of decorated and textured patterns of both dinnerware and serveware. The new dinnerware collections from 
like Arctic Blue, Biseki, Matte Wave, and even the not-so-new Nagoya are all new or relatively new additions to our, an existing wide range of great hospitality dinnerware and serving options. Plus, approximately a year ago, 10 Strawberry Street launched their Solex collection of 1810 flatware designs with both classic and contemporary designs. The flatware patterns from Solex are all top quality and just like all the other products from 10 Strawberry Street, they're built around the values of quality and great value. And speaking of their home base of Denver, just a handful of years ago, 10 Strawberry Street doubled the size of its warehouse to accommodate all these new collections and up their commitment to service within the hospitality industry. And as a recent example of that commitment to service was the call that the company received on a Friday from a very large casino operator looking to spend $50,000 on new charger plates, but they needed them right away. The order was placed on Friday. The shipment went out on Monday. Customer happy. And that, my friends, is what 10 Strawberry Street seems to be all about these days. Working with hospitality customers, understanding their needs, and then being able to assist when other suppliers aren't able to. That's the story of 10 Strawberry Street. And also within the new warehouse edition, 10 Strawberry Street is expecting to open soon their new state-of-the-art showroom location, which we're looking forward to seeing. And that should be done later in the spring, this, uh, this coming spring months. So we look forward to getting out and seeing that. In addition to the physical space enlargements and improvements, there have also been a bunch of systems improvements and headquarters staff additions so that 10 Strawberry Street can stay ahead of the demands of the rapidly growing hospitality organization and its business. We spoke about the total revamp to the sales organizations that industry veteran Bob Thompson has done. From new sales reps to new policies to new sales promotion programs, the look and direction of 10 Strawberry Street today, their sales effort is totally different and totally focused on hospitality than it was just a couple of years ago. After all, you don't attract top-tier hospitality groups like new generation reps in the, out in the Southwest or rep source down in the Southeast or the Action Group out on the West Coast, just to name a few, unless you're really serious about participating in the hospitality sector. Then finally, we picked up our copy of the new 2019 Hospitality Catalog from 10 Strawberry Street down at NAFM, and wow, it's got a great layout, it's got great photography, and it's easy to navigate as well, with all the information you need to make your decision on which products to buy from this high-energy tabletop resource. And yes, they still got all those large white serving pieces in collections like Whittier. And yes, they still got a great selection of charger plates and specialty drinkware. In fact, and when you get to specialty drinkware, one collection that we love from that area is their collection of mini cocktail glasses. They're perfect for increasing operator profits and guest drinking fund as well. So there's lots that will look familiar in the new catalog from 10 Strawberry Street, but there's a ton of designs that are totally new as well. Their new catalog is 150 pages of creative hospitality serving options for both food and drink. And you can download your, load yours from their website by going to 10strawberrystreet.com backslash hospitality. So make no mistake about it. 10 Strawberry Street is a company that's all in the hospitality sector. And if you haven't taken a look at this company lately, maybe it's time to circle back around and check them out. You'll be glad you did. And in our next segment, another company that's really come a long way recently is North Carolina's Hand Ceramics. Hand Ceramics is a company that started approximately five years ago by Mark Warren and Chris Pence, two friends who met each other in high school back in uh, the 90s in Jacksonville, Florida. 
And now the company has grown so quickly that it recently necessitated a move to their new larger production facility in Burlington, North Carolina, just outside the Raleigh-Durham area. With sales improving every year, the Friends started hiring employees, and in fact, two of their earliest hires are still employed today. Hand now employs a staff of over 15 and operates out of a 13,000 square foot facility, which incidentally is a recycled former hosiery mill. And both of the owners are quick to state that Hand simply wouldn't be where it is today without the hard work and the sacrifice of those early and their current employees. We recently caught up with President and co-founder Chris Pence in New York at the New York Restaurant Show, and here's what he had to say about Hand and where it's come since it started. Hi, I'm Chris Pence. I'm the president and co-founder of Hand Hospitality. We got started in North Carolina uh, about five years ago and have made inroads into the hospitality industry, having started out working with Ashley Christensen on her James Beard Award-winning restaurant, Death and Taxes, and now have placed our product in over 175 restaurants around the world. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Marriott and Kimpton, Hilton, and uh, Four Seasons. Uh, we're here in New York right now, exhibiting our wares with M. Tucker, uh, and it is a, uh, a lot of exciting new product coming this year. We've got um, our birch finish and our pink that have re rolled out recently, and uh, all the plates come with a warranty, but it's all handmade by a person in North Carolina. We pay a living wage to our employees, and our product is a very sustainable and durable product. And so today, Hand Ceramics counts among its many customers a number of James Beard award-winning chefs and large multinational hotel chains. Driven by quality, service, and design, Hand has set up a division of their company that's totally devoted specifically to the hospitality tabletop sector. If you go to their website, handhospitality.com, that's H-A-A-N-D, hospitality.com, you can see many of their products that they've made, both custom and standard products. Hand truly has some terrific shapes and some incredible glaze colors. To us, it's no wonder they've achieved such success in such a short period of time. So check them out at handhospitality.com. Again, that's hand, H-A-A-N-D, two A's. You're going to like what you see there. Now, 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave asks Shannon Talon of Edward Donnan Company the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about trends in wine glasses, varietal specific versus all purpose. Hey, everybody, we're back here with Shannon again this week. And uh, this week, we want to talk about glassware trends. Shannon, when it comes to glassware trends, do you see the varietal specific glassware trend that we see now continuing, uh, or is it going in the direction of uh, more of an all-purpose glass, gla you know, one glass for all wines kind of trend? I think both are going to continue to have a fit long-term, and I think it depends on the operator. I think that if an operator has, for lack of a more sophisticated way of saying it, if they have a serious wine program, I think they benefit from varietal specific glassware. Because often the consumer is someone who is looking for, can be looking for a certain mm -hmm. experience, just as they're looking for something with their dining experience, they're looking for something with their drink experience as well, in particular if they're a wine connoisseur. Not only that, but operators can often charge a little bit more, so there's a profitability play to it. The all-purpose glass also has a fit because you have plenty of really beautiful wine menus, wine lists, but it might not be a robust wine program. And in that case, a lovely all-purpose glass is still gonna be a perfect fit. So I think, I think both have a fit long-term. Now here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, 
Dave talks about the care and nurturing needed for newly appointed managers, helping to ensure them to be as successful as possible in their new leadership position. We often talk about the need for great talent, particularly up-and-coming talent in our industry. One of the risks in an industry that is growing and in need of talent is that sometimes people are asked to take on responsibilities and positions that manage others, and often perhaps before they're maybe quite ready. And then these newly minted managers struggle to gain traction and eventually gain success. So how does that happen? Your sales, customer service, or marketing superstar is now your new manager. Surely she knows what to do and how to make her team successful, yes? Well, maybe yes, but more often, no. So rather than learn, quote unquote, on the job or under fire, perhaps there are ways that new managers can be helped and supported to help ensure them they'll be as successful as possible. So what can you do to ensure that your new manager has the best chance for success? After all, you made a great decision in putting her in charge, right? Here are a few tips that can help head off possible frustration with your new manager and the team that's now reporting to her or to him. Number one, first, let's make sure that the new manager's job description is up to date and accurately reflects his or her responsibilities and how they'll be measured. This is particularly important if the position is a newly created position. An accurate job description will give the new manager and the people reporting to them a clear understanding of the position's responsibilities and the scope of the decision-making that they'll have. Secondly, when the position has been accepted and you're ready to make the announcement, make sure it's in a written format, both for internal and external purposes. Sometimes if it's simply a verbal announcement, people may not hear everything the way you think they'll hear it. Putting the announcement in writing keeps everything clear and consistent. It also gives the company an opportunity to clearly restructure the position if that is the case in this particular instance. Having the announcement in writing and posted keeps the communication of the change in command clear for all to read and reread if they need to. Like with any, nearly any organizational change, clear communication always, always is the best. The next thing that the clear communication does, it gives an opportunity to communicate clearly again the company's vision and the new manager's role in that vision. This will also come in handy for discussions later on with the new managers, but more on that in a minute. Change in organizations is never easy, even if it seems obvious to everyone at the top making that change. Being specific in the job description and why this person was chosen as the manager may not make everyone happy, but at least they'll clearly know why the decision has been made. Then, once you've named the new manager in charge and given the go-forward priorities, it becomes important to let the manager go and do their job. This is particularly important in a newly created position, where the direct reports have been used to going to somebody else or some other department for their direction. New managers need autonomy and they need freedom within the scope of the job description that they've been given. The priorities for moving forward are, almost, are most helpful if these priorities reflect initial, early goals, along with some medium-term and eventually longer-term goals as well. Then, finally, rather than wait until it's time to review the manager's performance formally, it's always better if the new manager can sit and discuss how things are going on a regular, informal basis with their new boss or, ma or their manager. We've seen weekly lunch or coffee meetings that work well for this. And if the new manager works remotely, an early morning call over coffee works just as well there, too. The agenda for the call or the meeting can simply be a very open, how are things going? Using that approach allows the new manager to speak to his or her boss informally and with an open list of topics. 
And by staying close to the newly promoted manager, the supervisor can head off problems early on or offer advice on handling situations that may be causing frustration for the new manager. These informal discussions help also to refocus the, on back on the original priorities and goals, should that be necessary, along with identifying opportunities that the new manager may not see due to a lack of experience. Keep in mind that the quote-unquote fresh eyes of a new manager will also see perhaps new opportunities that may not have been apparent before, and those newfound opportunities can be communicated directly and succinctly to top management. Interesting point. Finally, these informal discussions let the new manager know they're being supported and listened to. So let me recap the five points I've just made. Number one, make sure the job description is up to date and accurately reflects the new job responsibilities for this new manager. Number two, make sure the announcement of the, of the change in, uh, in organizational structure is written. That's really helpful for people who may not hear it if you only give it to them verbally. They only hear what sometimes what they want to hear. And you, by having it in writing, there can be no question. Number three, this gives you an opportunity and you should take it to re-communicate the company's vision and also communicate the new manager's role in that vision. Number four, once you've announced it and put the person in the job, give them the autonomy and freedom to do the job within the scope assigned. And number five, make sure you're supportive with informal discussions on a regular basis. And obviously, if somebody's uh, been a manager for many years, it's a different situation. But when you have a newly minted manager, sometimes the informal discussions are the most important part to making sure that they're successful. Each situation with a newly appointed manager is unique and they're different. And there'll no doubt be other opportunities to help as you go along and add to that new manager's success. But two things we know, starting a, a good starting point with clear communication for all and then supporting that new manager are the best ways to start out. And as I said in the beginning, our industry needs more top talent. And when we move that top talent into higher and higher levels of management responsibility, we need to do all we can to help them be as successful as possible. In an increasingly digital world that moves faster and faster, there can't be many things more important in your organization than the success of your most talented people. Good luck, and we'll see you down the road. Well, that's it, everybody. That wraps up today's Seat Yourself podcast. I want to thank Shannon Talon for joining us. And of course, I especially want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in today. And finally, I want to thank the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring, in part, this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. This is Dave Turner, and we'll see you next time. But always remember, Tabletop Matters. That concludes this week's edition of Dave Turner's Seat Yourself podcast series. Check us out at SeatYourselfPodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Seat underscore Yourself underscore. For more information and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out TabletopJournal.com or email Dave at DT at TabletopJournal.com. And don't forget, please subscribe, rate, and review. Music